Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to River Ridge Church. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm thrilled that you're here and excited for what God has for us this morning. Uh, we're going to begin a new series today, which is called Reconnect, and uh, it's a series really for everybody. If you want to reconnect with God because you've been kind of far off from Him for a while, if you want to stay connected with God, this series is going to help you. And if maybe you're here kind of exploring faith and you want to connect with God for the first time in your life, this series is going to help you with that. So I'm very excited about what God has for us in this series. Before I jump into the series, though, I want to talk just for a minute about what happens here uh, in the fall. Is One of the things that we believe very strongly about at River Ridge is that you can't do life alone. That we need other people who can pray for us, encourage us, serve with us, that we can help in their walk with God. And that's hard to do on a Sunday morning. This morning, there will probably be about 700 people that come through the doors of River Ridge Charleston. Uh, on a typical month, there's probably 11 or 1,200 different people that come and call River Ridge Church home on a typical month. Um, and so, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, we sit in rows, but really community happens not in rows, but in circles. You know, on a Sunday morning, I talk and you listen, or I talk and most of you listen and some of you daydream. I get that. I'm fine with that, sort of, right? But when we're meeting groups, we sit in a circle and everybody has an opportunity to share and talk and ask questions and care for each other and encourage one another. And so at River Ridge, we call these Ridge Groups. And I would encourage you, if you are not in a Ridge Group, to sign up for a Ridge Group. You know, we've got all kinds of different groups, different times, men, women, mixed, all kinds of different groups. We want you to be in a Ridge Group so that you can experience community. To do that, all you need to do is open the app on your phone and there's a little icon for the River Ridge app that says uh, Ridge Groups, and just push that, and then you'll answer four or five questions. That'll give us enough information to put you in a group that will fit well for you. You can go out to the Ridge Group um, kiosk out there uh, and register with Bruce, but again, that's an important part of your spiritual journey, of connecting with some other people in a circle to talk about life, to do life with other people. If you're a student, high school or middle school, Community starts for you tonight. Sunday Night Live happens tonight at uh, 5.30, uh, and there's a talk, there's some fun, but then we gather in circles with a, a leader and your peers, and we talk about life. If you're a mother of a preschooler, we have an open house for mops on Tuesday morning. You can come and be a part of that. Find a community that you can sit in a circle and share life with together. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, just for this morning, and uh, God, thank you just personally for the worship and just... What a joy it was to sing praise to you, um, and just how that fills me up. And God, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that it would fill us up, that we would see the things in it about you that you want us to see, or that they wouldn't be things that we know in our heads, uh, but the things that we see and hear from you would be in our hearts and a part of our lives in an everyday way. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you if you've ever met this kind of person. Have you ever met somebody that when you met them, you said, man, I want to be around that person more and more and more? Because whatever it was about their character, their personality, you said, I want to be around that person, right? You met somebody like that. Now, on the other hand, have you ever met somebody there like you meet them and you're like, ooh, I do not really want to be around that person, right? Hopefully that person's not sitting next to you. But, you know, we've all met those sorts of persons, those sorts of people. I was... Gosh, it was a number of years ago, uh, but I was playing tennis, and, um, or I was kind of a 
Somebody set me up and said, hey, you should play tennis with this guy. It was, we played outside of Charleston, but um, so you should play tennis with this guy. I'm like, okay. So, you know, we got his number and text and whatnot. And so we went out and we uh, hit some tennis balls. But as we're warming up, you know, we're stretching out and just, you know, kind of doing some light warm-ups before we start playing. And we're doing that thing when you meet somebody for the first time, you kind of exchange mutual uh, acquaintances, mutual friends. And every person that comes up, he's just slamming them. Hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, man, he's a jerk. You know so-and-so? He doesn't know anything about tennis. You know so-and-so? He did me dirty. You know, I mean, just the whole thing, like, just mean and nasty about everybody. And, and he doesn't know me. I mean, who knows what he said about me, the next person that he met, right? And, and then we start to play, and, like, he's cussing up a storm and getting mad about line calls and not playing well and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I have no interest in being around you at all, other than the fact that you really need Jesus. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that, I, just stay away from me, tennis jerk guy. <laughs> now, didn't want to be close to him. Didn't want to connect with him. On the other end of the spectrum, um, a long time ago, I was uh, just out of high school, and I went with a group of people. Uh, we all converged on this camp in Colorado, and we were called the work crew at this Young Life camp, and we served the meals and cleaned the toilets and did the yard work and all that kind of stuff for a month. And uh, one of the things that we did is we ate our meals together, and then we would serve the next, and then we would serve the campers. Well, one morning, uh, we're at breakfast, and we all eat breakfast, uh, blueberry pancakes, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, And there was a guy there who uh, had one of those retainer things, like those really expensive retainer things, and he had to wear it like all the time, 23 hours a day kind of thing, or his... Otherwise, he'd have braces till he was 50 or something, you know, one of the, that kind of thing. So anyway, he accidentally throws his retainer in the trash that goes in the dumpster outside, but he doesn't realize it. And then lunch comes along, dinner comes along, and then after dinner, this kid freaks out. He goes, I lost my retainer, I lost my retainer. And he's like, he's thinking, I'm going to have to go home if I don't find it, I'm going to have to have braces forever if I don't find it. So he's super freaked out about this. And so some people on this work crew said, well, let's go find it. And so, and so there's this huge dump truck full of garbage bags from all the garbage from that, that full day. And so a bunch of guys are like, we'll go in and find out what color napkins did we have this morning. And they're breaking open bags looking for blue napkins or whatever it is. And they're just all about diving in this dumpster. A bunch of macho guys. I was like, that's kind of gross for me. I'm, 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 I'll pray for you, buddy. Right? So except there is this one girl who like jumps in the dumpster, you know, opening up bags. I mean, she's covered with like spaghetti from dinner, hot dogs from lunch, and blueberry pancakes from breakfast. And I'm like, I like that girl. Like, that's awesome, right? Fast forward about six or nine months, uh, probably about half of us from this work crew get back together in Chicago. And we're talking and just kind of, you know, reconnecting. It's a reunion, just enjoying, you know, being together. Uh, But there's a guy there, whose name was Bill, and none of us really liked him. Like, he was just kind of weird and kind of hypocritical and arrogant. I mean, there's just, you know, he's, he's outgrown that, I hope, if he ever listens to this. But uh, anyway, so he says to the group, hey, I want to share some stuff from the Bible tomorrow morning. And all of us, and we're all either freshmen in high school or seniors in, freshmen in college or seniors in high school going, I don't really want to hear from him. We're all kind of chirping about him behind his back. He doesn't have anything to say. I don't want to listen to him. Except for this one girl, the same dumpster diving girl, goes, you know what? I think it'd be really good for Bill if we listened to what he had to say. And so the next morning, we sat down and we listened to what Bill had to say. 
you're probably figuring out that this person is going to become my wife. It's Stacy, right? And uh, one more funny story, but all these things, I'm attracted to who she is. I want to get closer to her. Uh, she taught uh, first graders uh, just out of college as part of this kind of resource school. And so she's teaching first grade, and I, lo- I went down there, and I watched her, and I love the fact that she just loved and joked with these little kids. And uh, she told me a story. I was not there at this time, but it was uh, April 1st, and she comes in uh, to class, and she says to the whole class, hey, I got married last night. And they're like, ooh, yay, congratulations, Miss Marum. And she goes, no, no, no. My name is now Mrs. Santon. We weren't not married at this time. She says, my name is Mrs. Santon. And so the entire day, she has all the kids call her Mrs. Santon just to try it on for size or whatever kind of thing. So she does that all day. And then she gets to the end of the day, and she says to the kids, now, kids, what day is today? April 1st. And all day long, they've been trying to pull like the little five and six-year-old April Fool's jokes on her that she doesn't fall for. And she goes, April Fool's, I didn't get married last night. You know, the kids were like, ah, you had us, that kind of thing. So, and I share these, these kind of three stories of Stacy and put that in um, perspective with this other guy that I played tennis with. I wanted to get as far away from that guy as I could. Just his character and who he was, it was repelling. But when I saw Stacy's character, I said, I want to be as close to this girl who became a woman, as close as I can to her. Because of what I see in her, I want to be close to her. Here's the principle that we draw out of this, and it's very easy to see in terms of relationships as you think about the people in your life. But when you see somebody's character that you like, you're attracted to them. When you see somebody's character that you don't like, you want to keep your distance from them. You want to disconnect from them. And the amount or the proportion that we see somebody's character is directly proportional. The amount of character that they have is directly proportional to whether we want to be with them or far from them. And there's a direct relationship when it comes to our view of God, is that God's closeness, whether we are close to God or not close to God, is directly proportional to whether we understand and see his character. That if we see his character for who he is, we are going to be drawn to him. But if we have some misperceptions, some misunderstandings, some errant views of who God is, then we're not going to want to be close. We're going to want to keep our distance from him. And so that's what this series is about. How do we connect with God? How do we reconnect with God? And it starts with understanding God's character. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what is God's character? And one of the things that we have for you as part of this series is when you walk out on the silver tables, there's some of these little blue things that say 40 truths about God that everyone should read. And it's just 40 different verses that you can read that will talk about this is the character of God. But this morning, we're going to talk about God's character. As we talk about God's character, I believe as we understand it, it's going to draw us to him. Now, in the book of Psalms, and we're going to be in the book of Psalms today, we're going to look at several different verses, but if you brought your Bible, open up to the book of Psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And this is verse 8. And so the psalmist writes this, "'O taste and see that the Lord is good.'" Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
And here's what I want us to understand, that the psalmist here is giving us an invitation. He's saying, I want you to taste and see for yourself that God is good. He's not saying, take my word for it, just believe me. He's saying, you go look for yourself and find out, is God good? And then he says, and if you find that, and when you find that out, you're going to take refuge in him. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. When we take refuge in God, it means that we are close to God. We are as close to God as we can possibly get. I believe that if we taste and see that God is good, we will want to connect with God as closely as we possibly can. You know, a funny thing happens in the, uh, in the lobby out here on Sunday morning sometimes. You ever see, there, like, there's kids out there that are, like, this big. I don't know, that's, like, three years old, like, this big, right? And, and you go, and if you ever try and talk to a kid like that, you know, in the lobby where there's a lot of people around, they'll typically hide behind their dad's leg or their mom's leg. You know, the kid hides behind dad's legs and holds on with dear life and barely pokes his head out, right, or hugs it real tight, right? You know what that kid is doing? That kid is taking refuge in his dad. I, my dad's going to protect me. I, I know my, who my dad is. I'm, he's got to protect me. And they hold on for dear life. And that's the picture here, is that we take refuge in God. And when we do that, we're blessed. But there's an interesting thing that also happens in the lobby from time to time, is sometimes if you're, if you're this big, I'm just, I'm just being honest. If you're not a church person, you'll like this word. If you're a church person, you won't. But like, if you're this big, like all butts look the same. Right? I mean, I'm just, that's all but, like everybody's butt is right there. They all look the same. And so there are times when I'll be in the lobby and a kid will come up to me and he'll grab my leg, right? But it's not my kid. And he looks up and he sees it's me and he freaks out and he, the kid runs away or she runs away. Why is that? Because that kid doesn't know my character. That kid is running from me. And with God, when we understand God's character, we are going to cling to him as our refuge. But if we have some misperceptions of who God is, and I think all of us have some misperceptions of who God is, our misperceptions will drive us away from God. But really seeing God for who he is will draw us to him. So what we're going to do for our, the remaining time that we have, about 15 or 20 minutes, is what we're going to do is we're going to look at the character of God. And one of the places that the character of God comes out in a huge way is in the book of Psalms. And so we're going to look at about five different verses in the book of Psalms, and we're going to see what is God's character. But we're also going to look at what are some misperceptions that we have about who God is. So here's the first misperception that we have about God. Sometimes we have a misperception that God loves me as long as I, and then fill in the blank. As long as I keep doing this, God loves me. As long as I don't do that, then God loves me. You know, we have this view, and I would call it, it's a conditional view of God, that God's love for us is conditional. It's, it's this idea that if, if I commit this sin over and over and over and over again, that God is eventually going to go, too much, and he's going to stiff arm us and, and keep us away. Or we go, if I commit this really big sin, whatever that really big sin is in your mind, if I commit the big one, then God's going to stiff arm me and keep me away. If I commit the really big sin multiple times, then God's going to give me a double stiff arm, right? That's our view of God. But listen to what it says. This is Psalm 136. 
verse 26. It says, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. It says, His steadfast love endures forever. The truth is that God loves me as I am. God loves you as you are. There's nothing that we can do to have God not love us anymore. God loves us as we are. So one of the neat things I got to do this week is look deeply, take a deep dive into this verse. And so in your Bible, you probably have steadfast love or two other words that are there. In the, actual, in the Hebrew, it's actually only one word. It's the word chesed, right? We talked about that consonant blend, chesed. It's sort of fun to say and spit on people around you, chesed. So it says that God has chesed for us, which they translate from Hebrew into English as steadfast love. It is a love that cares for us no matter what we do. And then also, interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, the word endures is not there. There's not a verb in that phrase. It's basically chesed forever. God's love forever to you. And you see, what that means is that we are in God's love because it's based on His character, not on my behavior. That God loves us because that is His nature, that is His character, that is who He is. And so it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we run from Him. It doesn't matter the sins that we commit. It doesn't matter if we've run far for a long time or not too far away that his love for us is based on his character and not our behavior because he has this chesed love, this steadfast, enduring love for us. I love this um, song that we sing. It's called Reckless Love, and we sing it from time to time here at River Ridge, and it says this. This is um, some lyrics of it. It says, There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. That's the truth about how God feels about you and about me. He pursues us. And when I think about a God with that kind of character, I want to get as close to a God of that character as I possibly can. Let's look at another misconception about God. And this is the misconception that God is a killjoy. That sometimes we have this perception that God is, he's just, he, he makes all these rules and laws and things to tell us because he wants to keep us from fun. You know, he makes, he makes rules, he's got commands about sex and about money and about forgiving people and about generosity and about loving people who are hard to love and about being nice to people. And I don't want to be nice to people. You know, we've got, he's got all these commands and we go, It just seems like it's kind of a killjoy. Like, I want to do some of these things. They're pretty appealing. They seem sort of fun. And God robs us of our fun. But here's the truth about God. It comes from Psalm 119, verse 37. It says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. The truth about God is this, is that God is life-giving. God is life-giving. You see, everything in this book, every command, every promise, every example, everything it says to do, everything it says not to do, every one of these things is designed for us 
to have a full and abundant life, to give us life, to give us purpose. God has all of that for us. Nothing in here is designed to take away our fun, so to speak. Everything is here in this book, the commands of God to help us to have the life that he wants us to live. And as this psalmist prays, says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. That the psalmist has realized that when I do these things that are not what God wants me to do, they're worthless. They take me away from God instead of bringing me to God. You know, before we go on to this, the next point, I want to kind of put these two things together. When it comes to God is life-giving and God loves us no matter what. Because a question that may be going through your mind, or maybe not, but I'll put it there, is if I do these things that God says to not do, or if I don't do the things that God says to do, is God going to stop loving me? Or is God going to love me less? Or is God not going to welcome me? And those questions kind of run through our brains. If I do this, then will God stop loving me? And the resounding answer is no. God will never stop loving you. And really, when we talk about the steadfast love, as we see that in um, comparison or in contrast to our sin, it makes His steadfast love all that much greater when we recognize that we don't always do what He wants. But yet He welcomes us and says, you are always welcome. I will never stop pursuing you. You know, a great comparison, putting these two things side by side, is if you think about the love that a parent has for a child. A parent's love never stops the child, even though the child may not do what the, child, what the parent wants them to do. Our son Riley, he's 19 now, he's in college, uh, but when he was little, he liked to throw things all the time. Like his first word was not mama or dada, his first word was ba, ba, like ba. That was his first word. He loved to throw things. And so he would throw anything he'd get his hands on. He would kick things. I mean, he just loved, he was just all boy in that way. But we had a rule. We said, Riley, you're not allowed to throw rocks. You can't throw rocks when people are around. You just can't do that. Now, he probably looked at us and goes, man, my mom and dad, they're such killjoys. They don't want me to have any fun. But we made that rule for his protection and for the protection of the many people that he's around. So I'm sitting on the porch one day, and I look out, and there's Riley playing in the front yard. He was probably, I don't know, five, six years old. Picks up a rock, and he throws it at the street, right? Except he didn't hit the street. He hit his friend Shepard in the back of the head, and Shepard goes to the hospital, and has three or four stitches in the back of his head. My son had quite the arm, obviously, at five or six, or a sharp rock, one of the two, right? But he goes to the, did I stop loving him because he threw rocks? No. Did I change the rules? No, I still said, you can't throw rocks, but I love you, buddy. Did he learn that? No, he hit his sister with a rock that same summer. He's a slow learner, right? <laughs> I, was, I was talking to a friend earlier in the lobby who reminded me of a time when Riley was like eight and he took a Superman or a Mr. Incredibles doll and hit my friend in the temple and it like practically knocked him out, like he hadn't learned, right? He's probably still throwing rocks today at his friends, right? Am I going to stop loving him? No. I will always love him regardless of his behavior. And that's the same way that God feels about you, that his love for you is unconditional. 
But yet in that, he wants the very best for you. So he says, live this way, live this way, live this way. Let's look at another reason why people feel like they don't connect with God or a misperception about God. It's that God is silent. And we're not going to talk a whole lot about this one, but sometimes we feel like, you know, God is out there, but he's just silent. He doesn't seem to speak to me or talk to me like, maybe like he does other people. This is what it says about the truth of God in Psalm 85, verse 8. It says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. That God speaks to me. That God speaks through the Bible, God speaks through prayer, God speaks through other people. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about how does God speak to us? How do I connect with God in a relational way? I hope you'll come back and be a part of the next three weeks. Today, we're just talking about this. This is God's character, and do you want to be in a relationship? And I hope your answer is yes. And then the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the hows of that. Let's talk about another misperception of God. It's the perception or the view of God that God is distant. That God is distant. I just don't feel him near me. And, and maybe that comes from looking at the world, saying, well, you know, I think what God did is he, he set the world in motion. He said, okay, the world is in motion. I'm just going to step back. It's kind of a cosmic experiment. We'll see how it goes. And he goes, oh, man, there's an earthquake over there, and there's a famine over there, and there's some bad stuff happening there. And he just, he doesn't, he's not involved in our world. And we have that misperception sometimes because we look around at the world and we're like, man, there's some messed up stuff out there. But then we also look in the mirror and we go, man, there's some messed up stuff in here. I've got some struggles in my life. I've got some pain in my life. And if God was really close, if God was really near, if God was really there, I, my life would look a little bit better than it does. Those are misperceptions that God is distant Here's the truth about God. This comes from Psalm 34, the one that we looked at at the beginning. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Because when we talk about this distance, the truth is that God is close, but we may choose not to embrace with Him. We, we feel like God's distance because we don't get what's going on and we ask all these why questions. But the reality is that God is close to the brokenhearted. Last fall, September into October, was just a difficult time for me personally. And, and we're sort of approaching that one-year anniversary for a couple of events. And I, I'm looking forward to it and sort of not looking forward to it in a lot of ways. But last um, September, my best friend James from high school, his... Um, son passed away from cancer. Uh, and then a month after that, my friend Chad, his daughter, Katie, passed away from cancer. Both of them were teenagers. And that was such a difficult time. And I was asking a lot of why questions. And James and Laura and Chad and Sarah were also asking a lot of why questions, trying to figure out what's going on here? Why is this happening? But the truth of what happened in that time is that this verse was so clear, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, that God met me in the pain that I felt over these two friends, and that God met these families and those close to them in the pain that they were going through. 
God meets us in our pain. Now, I'll be real honest with you, though. I, I haven't figured out the why question sometimes. I look and go, why didn't God intervene here? Why didn't God do this? Why didn't, why? I don't always know that. But I do know that God is close to the brokenhearted. And I want to be in as close and connected a relationship with a God like that as I can be. One more misperception I want to talk about. It's the misperception or the view that God is not trustworthy. And this one is a little different. It kind of weaves in and out of these different things, but sometimes we can feel like, you know, God seems sort of random. Like, he does this here, he doesn't do that there, and I don't, I don't get why God does something here and not something there. And we can come away from that feeling like God doesn't keep his promises. God isn't trustworthy. But listen to what it says in Psalm 145 it says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. It says that God is faithful. Every promise that God has ever made, he has fulfilled. You know, when Stacy and I got married, I made vows to her. Those are promises. And I have not kept all of those vows. I've tried the best that I can, but there are times when I've broken those promises. Usually not intentionally, but I've broken promises made promises to my kids. And there are times when I didn't fulfill the promises that I made to my kids. But God is not like that. God keeps every single promise that he makes to us. You know, as we talk about God's character, as we understand God's character, it draws us to himself, to him. And probably the greatest place that we can see God's character revealed is in the book of Romans, and it's a statement about God in relationship to Jesus. And it says this. It says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The greatest proof of God's commitment to you and his love for you is Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. That's how much he loves you. That is the promise keeper that he is. I want to be in a relationship with a God like that. And I invite you to come into a relationship with that God as well, to receive Christ as your Savior. Because if he gave the ultimate sacrifice of his son, it says, he will also give us every other good thing. And so our desire is to be as close to God as possible. I invite the band to come up to sing a song. We're going to close with the song, and then I'll come back out and pray and dismiss us. But it's called The Lord Our God. Listen to these lyrics before we sing them. It says, Promise maker, you finish what you begin. Our provision through the desert, you see it through to the end. The Lord our God is ever faithful, never changing through the ages. From this darkness you will lead us and forever say, and forever we will say, you are the Lord our God. That we want the Lord to be our God. And if we understand that he is a promise keeper that loves us in this way, then we will cling close to him. And so as a reminder to that, I want us to sing this song together as a reminder of God's love towards us, that he is our God. After everyone sing, I'll say just a couple things and then dismiss you.